Welcome to Intelligogy with Tracy Browder, where together we will disrupt educational normalcy. I am so excited to introduce someone, and I have to tell you how we met. But today on the podcast, we have with us Kavita Tana. Hi, Kavita. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Tracy. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Thank you for being here. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Kavita. She works with um, InspireCitizens.org. Now, Kavita, I have a question for you. Is is the company named Inspire Citizens or should the .org be attached always? Uh, Inspire Citizens is great. Thank you. Absolutely. She is an expert in play-based learning. Um, she develops... Um, global competence foundations in pre-k and kindergarten focusing on early elementary aged uh, education for children she is the deputy director with inspire citizens she has a background um, in teaching in england and china she currently coaches educators with the roles that they play in shaping the attitudes of our youngest learners so kavita with that i i'm just so amazed at your um passion for elementary education. And and that'll be another conversation. Let me tell our listeners why we're here today. I met Kavita um, just this weekend. We were both in a school rubric webinar session. I was actually presenting along with um, Nicole Fidio from Saudi Arabia. And uh, Kavita was one of the registrants that signed up. And after the webinar, we were talking about best practices in remote learning and COVID-19. But after the webinar, we all stayed around and had, oh goodness, what would you call it, Kavita? Just some deep, deep mind, challenging, stretching, inspiring, thought-provoking, forward-thinking conversation, wouldn't you say? Absolutely all of the above. <laughs> it was it was pretty it was pretty powerful. I really felt the energy shifting as we were discussing, you know, how we how we would want the the future to be. Absolutely. So we're gonna push pause on that for just a minute because I want you to tell us. I, I kind of gave a brief introduction, but let's let's let our listeners hear from you. Tell us about your background, more of your work with Inspire Citizens. Thank you, Tracy. So um, as you mentioned, I am an early years educator. Actually, um, in England, I, I've come to understand that um, training to be a teacher is, is slightly different to other parts of the world. Um, and so in England, you, you have to choose whether you want to be a primary school teacher or, a, you know, higher than that education teacher. So um, so I, I trained as a primary school teacher and so I've sort of taught up to the age of um, students up to the age of 11. Um, and what I've sort of found, even when I was a student, um, the question that kept coming to my mind is, why? Why do I need to learn that? Why are you, you know, why are you encouraging me to understand, you know, have knowledge about that? And so in terms of my personal background, I've always been that student that was, you know, the sort of one that in a very polite way, you know, <laughs> but like, but like, why, why do I need to know that? How is that going to help me in my life? And, wow. and when I am, um, you know, trained to be a teacher, part of my course um, really sort of allowed me to explore that in more detail. And, um, you know, actually my, my Bachelor of Arts is in politics. So, you know, so that's sort of my way of, um, of thinking and being is very much in that way. But, um, but what I found was when I, 
got into the classroom, um, you get caught up with other things and, and you know, the, the sort of why of education somehow wasn't the focus anymore because what I realized was that actually I want to have meaningful relationships with my students. And so what I what I sort of started to realize is that, okay, in order for my students to be successful in their learning, there needs to be a meaningful relationship between the educator and the learner. And then you can get into, okay, now we're going to get into learning meaningful things. And why are we learning those meaningful things? And so this experience led me to understand that I really wanted to broaden my experience in education. And so. Mm -hmm. I took myself off to Beijing in China in August 2015 and um, put myself in a school where they weren't following the English curriculum. They were following the International Baccalaureate curriculum. Okay. And that presented all sorts of mind, you know, mindset shifts and, and you know, new understandings and, and all sorts of, you know, different experiences. But it still wasn't quite enough it still wasn't hitting those points where I was like, no, you know, I still haven't got the answers to my questions of what is the why for learning? What, you know, how, how do we inspire, motivate, encourage um, educators to really create meaningful relationships with their learners in order to be able to, you know, engage in the why for learning. So I was fortunate enough to have some um, wonderful friends in Beijing who, turned out to be mutual friends with um, someone called Steve Sostak and Aaron Moniz, his partner for Inspire Citizens. So, um, you know, one way or another through the expat community in Beijing, um, we were, the three of us were brought together. And uh, when we met and we got into discussing, you know, what, what our philosophies are around education, I realized that they were sort of, let's say, Mm, around 20 years between the two of them ahead of me in, in in developing you know the why and understanding okay what is you know what is the why that should be driving education and so they presented some of their models to me and um now we've we're on v7 of um of our one of our profiles which we call the student impact profile which really well sums up you know, what our drive is in, in Inspire Citizens when we're thinking about engaging with school communities. Um, because it really puts at the centre that the why for education should be to impact change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we are looking to impact change in a positive way, what does that mean? Well, we've tried to summarise it with these four points of saying, well, we should be looking for the sustainable development of the world. Um, we should be looking for social, emotional and ethical intelligence, um, collective well-being and social justice. So with those four in mind, how can we support educators, learners, parents, admin, you know, community members, all stakeholders in a school community to really sort of engage in that action piece? How do we get from, OK, you know, society as a whole have decided that there's certain things that we should all know i.e to speak English to one another for example you know or whatever language it is that we're you know that we're um, learning in but then when we go beyond that beyond the sort of 
speaking and listening skills, the writing skills, the reading skills, then what is it that we should really be learning to do? And that's really what it comes down for me, that, you know, with Inspire Citizens, we have a lot of research behind us, but also practical experience in which we can engage with educators and honour where they are in their learning journey. That's a big point that I want to emphasise, that in Inspire Citizens, we're not looking to flip tables and, and, you know, tell people what to do. We're very much about honouring where people are at, meeting them where they're at, and then saying, okay, if you're coming to us, clearly you have some questions about your practice or your ideas or something that you want to improve. And so let's let's see how we can, you know, embark on that journey with you to lead towards impactful, positive change. And I, I love everything you said. And it, it sounds like you're that global connector piece for helping educators create productive, independent, um, resourceful young adults. And I, I love two of the pillars that you mentioned in particular stuck out to me. Um, you're focused on the collective well-being and social justice, and that is so important, especially in today's society. So um I know for one, I'm learning so much more about um, this this company, but not just a company, this valuable resource. So I would encourage um, administrators who may be listening to this episode to definitely delve into the service that um, you provide, because it sounds like it has global reach and is definitely something that I think this generation of young adults needs more than anyone. And speaking of this generation, let's transition to um, one of the biggest reasons we're talking today. So tell us with Inspire Citizens um, and your professional connection to Inspire Citizens, what has COVID-19 and the shelter in place impact looked like for Inspire Citizens? (laughs) um there's a there's a phrase that I'm I'm hoping is going to come up that I'm going to quote from yourself which is push pause (laughs) yeah because literally that is what happened to us (laughs) we um we very much had to push pause on our normal work you know because as you said we provide that global connection And in doing so, what we do is that we travel between different schools on a regular basis by airplane, (laughs) you know, and, um, you know, work with educators, students, parents, you know, and so on, on site. And um, obviously, you know, the world sort of had to stop doing that for a little while, you know, we've, um, so I managed to get onto one of the, the last um, sort of non-dramatic flights if you like out of Beijing um, mm-hmm. and to come back home to London and um, you know it was a bit of a, a mixed emotion time for me partly because um, you know obviously I could tell that something you know big was happening in the world with you know the the news of the coronavirus um, coming out of China but unfortunately I um, we'd also lost my dad's eldest sister um, at that mm-hmm. time and so, you know, so partly as, you know, as, as wanting to be back with my family to sort of go through the grieving process, but also um, because I didn't want to be in an apartment alone, um, you know, sort of during sort of dealing with my 
personal grief and then also you know knowing that the isolation was coming kind of thing um and then for my colleagues um they were uh, both also in um Beijing and one um is now settled in Seoul with our main partnership school, Seoul Foreign School. So Aaron is based out of Seoul now. And um, Steve uh, stayed in Beijing for a little while, but then um, came, went over to Chicago. So he's currently based in Chicago. And so what we've been doing for the last three months um, has varied um, because we've sort of allocated different projects between us to really sort of think about, okay, how can we still maintain our relationships with our existing schools but also to reach out to to new audiences as well and so um we're actually launching right now um an educator's certificate um whereby we would um train in-service teachers um you know with all of our tools and and our full program so that's something that's available online right now on our website for people to sign up for um We've also been working on a student leadership skills um, certificate program in the background, and that will be coming online hopefully in the next six to eight weeks. Um, And then we are obviously maintaining our relationships with our schools in Asia. So we've been doing some online work with them. Steve has partnered already with some educators in the US. And so, you know, there's some work being shown on Twitter at the moment with that work. And then for myself, I've really sort of been more focused on one of the things that you picked up as, you know, one of our pillars, which is the collective well-being and really just sort of been wanting to offer some gifts to our educator community globally um, to really support them in their in their work, but also on a very personal level. Um, you know, we kind of coined the term collective well-being, but we you know, we sort of actually mean personal and collective well-being. So one of the things that I often talk about is the importance of filling your own cup. And um, one of the things that really bothered me about this time of going into, you know, sort of self, self-isolation, self you know, because hopefully people are staying at home and saving lives, Um but also, you know, what's been coined as social distancing, which I wish had actually been coined as physical distancing because of the connotations of, you know, the the term social distancing. But, um, you know, what I also have a wish about this time is that more consideration had been given to educators as human beings. And I was quite dismayed by the lack of dialogue around what we were asking educators to do when we, you know, sent children home and said that, you know, we'll see you on a screen next time. Mm-hmm. And it's really bothered me that, you know, no one really talked about the emotions that educators would feel around that. No one really talked about what that means to be an educator at home with your own family, your own, you know, relationships that you need to maintain. But the the powerful relationship of you know being the carer for any number of students one to 32 you know how how are we going to make sure that these human beings are okay 
and um so I came up with a couple of ideas <laughs> and 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 you know as I say I've sort of been offering these gifts um one has been coined as the alphabetic survival guide to COVID-19 for educators and the other has been coined as the gift of reconnecting mm, I love that um you know and and you hit on something that I think as a society, we have kind of missed. And I, I fully understand why, because like I mentioned um, in the webinar, there, there's this shock factor. Um, and then there's the grieving process. And then there's the kind of frozen in fear, frozen in shock. But then the reality of you have to pick up and move forward. So we were we were kind of just thrown into it and, and trying to process and had our own family struggles and challenges, but still had to move forward with the class and also going through the emotions of, I can't see my class. There was no, there was no closure. And especially the younger, not even especially, this is affecting every single grade level has a personal trauma attached to this. Um, I'm, I'm working on a post for just kind of the global perspective of how this impacts kids and you know, the kindergartners who started this school year, this is, if they didn't go to pre-K, this is their first experience in school. And you remember the jitters that we often have as teachers still that, that, that first night before school starts. And, and so these kids had that moment and this was supposed to be the year of firsts for them, their first awards program, their first of many things. Um, And then you jump all the way to the other end of the spectrum, seniors in high school, this was to be their last of many things and turning the page to the next chapter. And as educators, we we foster and support and facilitate. We do so much more than teaching. It's it's developing the whole child, it's building the relationships. And as you said, it, it's filling that tank. And, and in the beginning, when you were talking, you mentioned a lot about relationships. And there's that old, old saying that People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so we're we're that, I feel like that glue to showing kids how much we care. Then they're capable of of accomplishing things that they thought that, that they never in a million years would be able to do. But the other piece to this, Kavita, too, I think, is the parents. Parents have been... In my emails to parents, I've been saying they're rock stars. Um, you know, this has hit all of us in so many different capacities, and and the emotional effects are are real. And that's kind of why we got together today, is to have a discussion around that forward thinking piece that you and I really, really delved into um, after the webinar is next steps. What does it look like when we go back? Because we're not going back to normal. It's going to be a new normal. So (laughs) let's park there for a little bit and talk about that. Where is your heart as we um, forward think to what it looks like to return? Mm. Well, I really want to make more of that quote that you used just now, you know, because I really feel like if that was something that is at the top of every single school improvement plan or school, like return to school plan, then we would be immediately stepping in the right direction. Mm, Because I absolutely emphatically agree with that statement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we have to 
that whole push pause piece is, yeah, we had to push pause in the beginning of this transitioning from school into shelter in place. But as we eventually prepare to return, we have to push pause on how we return. We have to have conversations about what does that look like? We have to, as you said, Kavita, fill those emotional tanks. We can't just jump back into teaching. I I envision um, reunions of sorts and and celebrating and, and that, you know, my kindergarten class who went to first grade, how can we work out where that class can get back together? So those first few weeks, I feel like we need to um, just really celebrate being resilient and fill emotional tanks and, and, and give kids a sense of security because their normalcy was ripped from under their feet. And I think that's it. If, if, if we miss that as educators, we're, we're going to be on a very bumpy road and, and we're going to start seeing the emotional effects of not filling those emotional tanks. So I think we have to be really, really cautious. And I, I know teachers um, have said this a lot and, and I just feel like we have to really partner with our administration to make sure that we can push pause and, and, and really not miss the opportunity to celebrate being back together. Exactly. And, you know, I, I recently coined um, a hashtag and, and actually, you know, um, spoiler alert, at some point in my life, there'll be a book that's going to sort of bring some of these things together. But, but you know, it's, it's the hashtag that I coined was respect, remember, reconnect. And the mm-hmm. reason why I coined that was um, as a result of these type of conversations and some others in in terms of a course that I'm I'm engaged in at the moment around um, systems and systemic thinking and and you know where how that plays a role in education and and should it play a role and so on. So um, you know the reason why I began with respect is because one of the reasons that you know, we we as human beings can differentiate ourselves from other living things is um, because of our power of language. Um, and in that power of language, what we're able to do is we're able to move through time. So we can reflect on the past, we can look to the future, we can, you know, hopefully if we've been given the tools, um, express how we feel or what we're experiencing in the present moment. And um, the reason why I chose the word respect as opposed to the word reflect is because respect is a fundament of all relationships. But the root of the word, so re meaning again and spect to look, actually means to look again, which is tied into the reflection process, right? So I felt it was more encompassing than to choose the word reflect because as I've said, you know, a couple of times now, for me, everything does come down to relationships. And, you know, we spoke offline about how we both felt drawn to each other as as kindred spirits, perhaps, you know, mm-hmm. because of being, you know, early, early years um, educators. But, but also, you know, I really want to sort of share that I feel that 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 feeling is, you know, it's just powerful, right? And, and it's something that we feel in all of our relationships. And, 
And so, you know, I really think that it is important not only to push pause, but to to respect each other enough, to respect each other as human beings enough to be able to take that second look and to be able to, you know, go through the reflection process of, you know, looking at it, reassessing it, reevaluating it, taking intentional steps to move forward. So, so that's really sort of, you know, the first step for me in, in whatever conversations happen about, you know, the, the future of education, that we do need to have a look at what worked and what didn't work. And so that's the next word of remember, because, you know, we want to authentically remember our experiences, right? But also we want to remember that those experiences are really based on relationships. And, you know, one of the things that came out from, you know, the webinar that you spoke in and, you know, with Nicole was that um, there seems to be a shared understanding, you know, between at least the three of us, I think I can speak for, to say that relationships matter. And actually, isn't that what the what the students are going to remember from this time? Oh, boy. <laughs> no, isn't that what yeah. they're going to remember? Like, are they really going to remember, you know, the the curriculum that some t- some educators are still trying to, you know, implement as though they're actually in the physical classroom together? I'm not so mm-hmm. sure. I'm just not mm-hmm. so sure. You know, in fact, one um, group of educators informed me that what their experience has been in their school is that when I'm speaking to them, they're telling me that they've had 100% attendance to all the Zoom or Google Meets or whatever platform they're using. But some of their colleagues haven't. And the question that's come to their mind is that, is it because I don't have a very good relationship with that educator? So maybe that educator hasn't cultivated a very good relationship with their students. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why that educator is having the experience they're having. And that was a really powerful point made, you know, as far as I was concerned, because I just thought, yeah, like that really enforces my idea that relationships matter and that's what students remember. And if they were excited to come to your classroom, they're going to be excited to come to your classroom no matter what what platform you're using, whether they need to physically get up in the morning, get dressed and move to a different building or whether they just need to open an electronic device and, and engage with you in that way, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, there's one little tiny piece with that that breaks my heart for some regions and some communities, and that is the access to the devices, because mm-hmm. I, I, I've learned that that's been a challenge. I'm especially seeing that on social media. Um, and then some of the dialogue with other educators is the the limits to device accessibility within the household. So that is a, a, a one piece of it, but I, I do think you're right. You know, there there's the relationships that are built. Um, you know, a lot of times it starts first thing in the morning at school. You know, I, as an educator, I'm not inside my classroom. When kids are coming down the hall, I'm actually walking for a few of them that have a really rough time in the morning, I actually walk up the hall a little bit so that they can see that I'm searching for them. And that when they see me, that that frown, that exhaustion, that I didn't want to get up out of bed, just all those lines of frowns just naturally 
organically flow like waves into a smile. And then they start running down the hall and we hug and I pick them up and I swing them around. And and we haven't even made it to the classroom yet. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's those types of experiences that we give kids that make them want to connect with us even more when we're like this, separated. And so what do we as educators do that's unique, that's above and beyond and outside of just the teaching piece? What are we doing that's creative to to give them memories, even in the yuckiest of situations? What experiences are we giving them? Um, that's that's the key. We can't just teach and and or or give a lesson plan and say, okay, I'm done. Um, we have to cultivate and fertilize probably more now than we ever have. So you're absolutely right. It seems like every part of this conversation, we keep going back to that one word: relationships. Absolutely, and you know, I really do want to emphasize how powerful that story you just shared was, because. Clearly, you are honoring where those students are and where they will always be. And that phrase, I have to give credit to um, someone that's now become a friend of mine, Elizabeth Crawford. She's a professor out of the University of North Carolina in Wilmington. And, you know, I've sort of used the phrase of meeting people where they are. But she mm-hmm. said, you know, she she used the phrase honoring. And, and, and to me, you know, that really is the highest level of respect, right? But yeah. also it it's connected to that word remember because it really emphasizes the interconnectedness of all of us. You know, in my culture, we, you know, we use the word namaste when we greet someone. And, you know, it's become part of one of the video memes of, you know, of social distancing, if I may call it physical distancing for the rest of the <laughs> rest of the interview. Um, that, you know, because it it it's normally done with you putting your hands together and, you know, sort of, um, you know, bowing your head slightly to the other person. And so there's no handshaking involved, but namaste is that, you know, I bow down to the God within you, energy within you, or, you know, whatever soul within you, whatever, you know, word resonates, you know, but it's really just to sort of say that, you know, I'm acknowledging right now that we're already connected. Because just really valuing where people are. Exactly. And as long as you're alive and I'm alive, we're already connected because we both have that energy of life pulsing through us, right? So, you know, and it's a respectful way of being as well because, you know, obviously it's, it's you know, it's honoring people's, um, you know, personal space. It's, you know, and it's really sort of saying to someone, do you know what, like, I'm, I'm pleased to be with you you know to to share some space with you and so you know it's really as you say it keeps coming back down to relationships but I think it really is because of that piece of you know education is really I think schooling and education it's sort of you know the difference between the two right that education is a lifelong journey um, you know the the phrase you know lifelong learners has been coined you know many times and and I think you know when if we can remember that that the experiences that we're giving our students are life experiences and that they will last their whole lives and they will continue to engage in lifelong experiences 
as opposed to they're in school and we need to school them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's such a big difference in that experience, just in me saying the words. Yeah, absolutely. And if people would just, there it goes again, push pause and really think about what that means is that we're we're developing the whole child. Mm-hmm. We, we're, we're not just teaching the child. Um, we're filling the emotional tank. We're honoring them. We're building that relationship. We're meeting them where they are. We're stretching them to places they thought they'd never go. That's nurturing the whole child. And if somebody's having a bad day, we have bad days. So, you know, that that's one thing in building relationships. Um, giving kids, giving credence to their feelings and their emotions instead of expecting them to kind of have gotten up on, on, on the wrong side of the bed, but okay, nope, you got to sit down and work. And so I think kids really value um, the, 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 the teacher and the relationship where academics is not number one. Academics is very important, but um, making sure the child is okay safe, um, in a good place mentally. To me, you have to take care of all of that before a kid is even an open vessel to receive anything academic. <laughs> and and I love that you use that analogy because, you know, the the sort of it's it's an it's an apt analogy, but it's also probably the most controversial one in, in discussions of education. So, you know, what you just described there was the importance of reconnecting, right? Which, you know, mm-hmm. to my hashtag is the third word. And, you know, it really is, you know, hashtag respect, remember, reconnect simply because of everything you just described that if we are treating human beings as human beings, i.e., in the holistic nature of a human being that has, you know, that is multifaceted, right? That, you know, we're really sort of considering the fact that we have emotional needs, we have social needs, we have intellectual needs, but we also have physical needs. We have, um, you know, financial needs, we have um, spiritual needs. So we have so many different needs and all at the same time, you know, we can't, we're not robots. We're not able to sort of compartmentalize to the extent that, you know, schooling, in my opinion, has expected us to, which is that, okay, as soon as you step over the threshold into that building that we call school, everything else needs to switch off because now you're going to operate in your intellectual needs capacity. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And, and you know, I think... <laughs> I had this um, epiphany yesterday that when I introduce my podcast, when I when I when I open an episode, um, I always say thank you for joining us at Intelligogy, where together we will disrupt educational normalcy, and I really feel like that's what this period of COVID nineteen has done. It is disrupting educational normalcy. Um, to a very, very positive direction. Meaning um, when I was talking to Taylor Armstrong um, in in my previous episode, he is an assistant director of technology in his school district. And one thing he said really resonated with me. You know, during a normal school year, um, 
administrators and technologists, they, they're thirsty for educators to um, try new platforms and, and, and technology is evolving rapidly, literally as we blink. Um, and a lot of teachers are very uncomfortable with technology and don't want to step out of that comfort zone. And he kind of brought up the point that literally within a blink of an eye and within a, within a day, we got notice that we're not going back to school and every educator <laughs> has been thrown into some of those very platforms that they vowed to never attempt. So we are disrupting educational normalcy in a lot of ways. Teachers are connecting with kids in ways they've never connected before. Some teachers had already been rocking this whole remote learning process in a variety of ways. But when we go back to school, that forward thinking piece, um, I, you know, we've always said in a cliche term that parents are partners. And I mentioned this on the webinar Parents are truly partners right now. In fact, parents are, are teacher leaders even, and we're supporting them. Um, when we go back, I, I don't see parents backing off of that. I see them wanting that 50-50 partnership in teaching their kids and wanting to know a lot more about what they're learning. And so that whole flipped classroom process, I, I just don't see some things going back to the way they were. Um, we, we've come so far in such a short time, empowering parents and equipping kids with resources that they haven't always had to use at home. I don't see that going away. Do you, Kavita? I love that you brought that up because, you know, as a, even when I was describing my work with Inspire Citizens, I often used the term school community. And, and I'm really glad that you brought it back around to that point of, you know, that's really what's been important about this time, that even families have been reconnecting with one another, you know, and realizing that they cannot operate as silos. You know, that they can, it just doesn't work, right? If you're all staying in the same house together, you know, it can't be that, okay, well, I'm just going to do my thing and you just do your thing. And, and that's just how it's going to be. It just doesn't work. And so there's so many reasons to come together as a bare minimum for meal times, but so many other reasons, as you say, as the parents become the co-educator for their children, you know, so they're not only reconnecting with their child but they're also developing a more meaningful and deep relationship with the educator of their child but the thing that I would love to uplift from what you just said is that everyone became a learner mm -hmm. all of us suddenly remembered the power of learning suddenly educators that had been resistant to being learners themselves having as I say, compartmentalize themselves to be the teacher and therefore the giver of all knowledge, understanding and skills suddenly found themselves in the role of learner. Uh -huh. And to me, that is what real forward thinking about education is going to look like. It's going to be a real, true understanding of the recursive relationship of being in education. The educator-learner relationship ebbs and flows just as life does. Where oh, there's wow. life, there's death. Where there's death, there's life. One mm -hmm. of the most powerful metaphors that I've heard recently was from actually a 96-year-old lady that I'm, I'm learning with. 
And um, she is explaining to me that in order for us to live, something has to die. Whether you're a vegetarian or a, or a carnivore, in order for you to live, something else has to die. Now, that to me is such a valuable acceptance of the cycle of life that when we think about our relationship to learning, you know, at some point we have one role, at another point we have a different role. At some points I'm here to impart some wisdom, but at other times I will rely upon you to share your wisdom and to empower our students in that way, to really recognize that the role of education, to go back to the root of educara, which is to draw from within, so to really, really believe that we all have it within us, that it's all there already within us. And our roles and educators to facilitate and guide and coach our young humans into drawing out what, what is already within them. And to be able to really engage in that in a recursive relationship. My goodness, this is the world I want to live in. <laughs> I really want to be able to live in a world where conversation is the guiding force of all learning. Yes. Because yes. think about the conversation we're having right now. How many points of revelation have there been between the two oh, of them? You know, it, it's so funny you say that because as we're talking, Kavita, we, we, we've said so many, oh, so many thought-provoking things that, I've literally been taking notes and writing down the the time stamp um, so I can go back and catch some of those quotes that just really resonate with me as an educator. And, you know, when, when you were talking about um, facilitating and guiding and coaching and drawing out what's already there, I perceive and think that you know, we talked about the return to school and filling emotional tanks and and the parents as partners and what it will look like. But you know, the other piece, like we said, um, w we go through different phases of being learners. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you said that because look at how we're learning now. Look at all of the webinars and the chats that have been available to have this kind of dialogue and discussion. Mm -hmm. I have to wonder, and I certainly hope that professional development will shift and start to look differently. What do you think? I would love that because, you know, basically what we're talking about and we're starting to define is, okay, what kind of human beings do we want to engage with in our, in our world, right? And one of the one of the things that I'm getting from what you just said is that, you know, we both feel that yes, we want to engage with students that have or engage with humans, I beg your pardon, to that have the disposition of a willingness to learn. And so, you know, if we are sort of trying to describe a situation where we are engaging in professional learning, 
So learning to become the professional that we want to be, then surely that has to be a sustained process. It can't be that, you know, when we engage in professional learning, it's something that's a one-off. We get really excited for one or two days. Um, you know, we, we buy the book, we read the book. We may even go one step further and, you know, set up, you know, professional learning networks where it's like a book club and we're discussing the book. But at what point is it actually being observed in action? (laughs) At what point do we actually get to implement on these ideas? And, Mm -hmm. And that's one, you know, big part of how we work as Inspire Citizens that we've worked with someone called um, Professor Ken Mattingly. And um, we sort of, researched what it means to engage in meaningful professional learning and what we realized is that we need to have regular contact with educators we need to be in the school you know sparking ideas you know sparking conversation doing all of the sort of you know really as we've mentioned many times now filling the cup you know and 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 making the teachers real well showing the teachers how valued they are, you know, really sort of encouraging them, motivating them, inspiring them, you know, getting them excited about the things that we we see as the why for learning, but then going back and saying, okay, so tell us where you're at right now. What happens in your classroom right now? What, you know, what standards do you feel it's important to meet in your classroom? Um, at this point, I would want to add in less is more, but like, you know, <laughs> let's, you know, let's talk through those standards and then let's work out why those students might want to engage in those standards. Why? Why? Why do they need to engage in persuasive writing? I'll, I'll choose a simple example to start off with. I can do this with pretty much any standard that you would choose. But, you know, persuasive writing is a nice one to sort of pick up on. And so, you know, if we can really understand why it's important for the youth of today to know how to really engage in a persuasive conversation with someone as close to them as their own parents in order to do something as simple as sorting the trash to organise what can be reused, what can be, you know, recycled, then you know, there's meaning right there because they're going to see a visible result of that learning when they see a change in behavior by their family. And so that action piece is so important in our process of learning that we we really absolutely need to move away from the theory of any of the standards of any teaching and learning and move into action. And that's what I would love to see in the professional learning um, that's being offered to to educators, workshops for parents. Our student leadership skills program is geared towards that. You know, the whole the whole school community. What actions are you going to take as a result of the learning? What actions are you going to take as a result of the process that you went through in order to achieve that feeling of knowing? of that feeling of understanding, of that feeling that, oh, I have a whole bunch of new skills. So what are you going to do with it? What's next? So what? (laughs) Tell me, what are you going to do? (laughs) 
You know, Kavita, you, I start as you were talking, I just began smiling because I'm like, this is the perfect call to action ending of this conversation. I'm like, how did you do that? That's amazing. <laughs> so, I, you know, I was listening to what you were saying and, and part of that professional learning piece and that call to action that you just gave everyone, it, 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 it's about fertilizing the sustainability of professional learning. Like, yes, we learn. Yes, we get excited. Yes, we feel like we're on fire to change the world and we we start these connections. But then when we get back in our routine, we get back in our routine and, and that's it. So this is a call to action. We have an opportunity to be to be greater, to be better, to be richer, to be deeper, to be more inspiring, more caring, to focus on those relationships. We're resilient. We, we are... We have done things that we never thought imaginable with zero preparation. Um, and how do we stay at that level and beyond and not regress? That's where we have to stay. So my key word from all of that that I would want to add is be intentional. Mm-hmm. Be absolutely 100% accountable to yourself. Because I found in in conversations with friends that aren't educators themselves, actually, they work in different industries, that when I share with them my diary, when I share with them, you know, sort of the process of learning that I'm going through, whether it's, you know, my active membership of book clubs, whether it's the conversations that I engage in, whether it's the fact that I work out for an hour every single day without question, whether it's the fact that I meditate, the fact that I gratitude journal, and every single tiny little thing is written down on a piece of paper. And that, I I promise you, is the only thing that is getting me through this time. Because, you know, I do, again, want to acknowledge the context in which we're having this conversation. And, you know, I started the conversation, you know, sort of pointing out that, you know, I began this time in a process of grieving Mm -hmm. and I am observing others go through a process of grieving for for different reasons. It wasn't, you know, it's not the bereavement of a close relative, but it's still real. It's valid. It's, you know, it's an experience that we're having. And the only thing that has helped me throughout all of the emotions that I've experienced is to be that intentional in filling my own cup with all those areas of well-being that I outlined already, whether it's physical, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, so, you know, social, all of the different areas of well-being that, um, you know, there's eight of them. And also to really, really make sure that I continue to reconnect with my family, with my friends, but also kindred spirits like yourselves. And, you know, I just, I just cannot emphasize to you enough that when we talk about social, emotional well-being, we need to be thinking about both of those things in tandem with one another. First, reflecting on ourselves and what we're doing to take care of ourselves every single day. And then, moving outwards to okay so when I'm engaging in relationships how am I bringing myself into those relationships and I 
offer that you're going to bring a much better version of yourself if you've already done that work on yourself. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, what you just said a moment ago, every single person has um, their own personal story. And and some of them, like yours, um, involves loss. And I, I mentioned Saturday during, after the webinar that, I'm, you know, deeply sorry for your loss and I kind of didn't want to go there unless you took it there today. Um, but, you know, we, we have to be so mindful. And I think that's the challenge for educators right now is that delicate balance, knowing that, you know, and not just with COVID-19, but lives are being lost for, you know, a lot of different medical reasons. I mean, life is still happening. There's still loss of life. And on top of shelter in place, on top of some families having essential workers, on top of some families having loss of employment. Um, there, there's just so many elements that come into that. And with loss of employment, there comes, you know, challenges of access to food. So um, we, we just have to be really cognizant about what families are going through. And that's why we have to push pause when we return to, um, make them feel safe and, and, and to reassure them and, and, and to celebrate. So that has to happen. And I feel like if we continue the conversations that we're having, educators all around the globe, because because of the school rubric webinar this weekend, you and I have connected and we're, mm-hmm. we're in two different time zones. So mm-hmm. um, that <laughs> of engaging in these conversations um, online. So I know Kavita joins me in encouraging all of you who are listening. If you have not joined in on some of these online chats and webinars, it, it would it would really um, grow you and stretch you and make you want to continue to be part of the conversation. Kavita, as we prepare to close, um, where would where would it best be for people to uh, reach out to you if they wanted to follow you or have questions? How could people access you? Um, so Twitter would be the first place, I guess, with um, my Twitter handle being at Kavita Tanner, K-A-V-I-T-A-T-A-N-N for November A. And then um, if people would like to contact me by email, um that's kavita at inspirecitizens.org and so yeah either of those sort of would would be the best way I think that they'd be the most direct method and um and you know I really sort of want to add that yes you're absolutely right that engaging in these conversations will grow and inspire but also I'm finding them very uplifting and yes and being invited to be on this podcast with you has really brought light into my into my soul into into the energy that I feel and and I I really can't thank you enough for giving me this opportunity to engage in a conversation like this. Well, I certainly do appreciate it as well. You mentioned kindred spirits and I think that's just what we were the moment we connected and started talking. So, I would definitely love to have some more conversations with you uh, in the near future just really talk about early childhood, especially what it looks like when we do return. So we definitely have some more conversations uh, that will occur on Intelligogy. That's fantastic. I look forward to it. 
All right, likewise. Well, friends, uh, this is our time. Our time has come to a close. I certainly would like to thank Kavita for being here today. It's been such an inspiring conversation to focus on relationships and acknowledge the space we're in, but also look forward. What does it look like when we return to school? So thank you for joining us at Intelligogy today, where together we will disrupt educational normalcy. Until next time, thank you for listening.